0: Hey Heat Nation, welcome back to Here's Gonna Heat and welcome back to our second episode of our season player reviews. Today we'll be taking a look at Justice Winslow, this is Jorge Cantu and joining me is Kyle Russell here. he will be hopping on for the next couple of weeks to help uh, Rich and I break down some of the Heat players and well we have him today for the first time in in this series. Kyle, we're super glad that you're back on Here's Gonna Heat. Thanks, Jorge. Always glad to be here. And well, we're going to have tons of fun uh, breaking down one of our favorite players, Justice Winslow, who made, I guess we can say, the biggest leap or took the biggest uh, step out of uh, all of the players on the roster this season. I think that's uh, something fair to say, right? Oh,
1: absolutely. I mean, at this point, it's kind of a bit of an argument between like him and Josh Richardson for who's the
0: better player. And I, I personally go with uh, Winslow at this point. That's a super interesting discussion that I that I've had with with Rich, and it's actually a, a huge struggle because their styles are s- similar, but at the same time so different. Because Winslow is a well a mastermind of a creator for his size. He's six foot seven and has some of the nicest passes that I've seen th- this year. And w- well, what Jay Rich is supposed to be more of a scorer, but he wasn't as aggressive, and then Winslow unlocking. Him, a new level of the offense for Miami with his newfound three point shot. That's something that also works to his favor. So, I mean, I think it's going to be a very interesting battle next season. I don't think these guys are actively battle- battling to get that recognition, but I mean, cause there's no need to, we've talked about how they, they, these guys need to work as a team rather than as individuals. Cause if not, things are not working out. Exactly. And I mean, they've been in the league, they came in in the same draft.
1: So I- they're more like brothers, and I think their games can be pretty complimentary. And that's kind of one of the things I'm I'm really hoping to see next year is that is not necessarily then like you said, not trying to compete with each other as much as it is trying to work together and and really really bring us back to the playoffs next year. Right, let let, let they
0: bring it. out the best in each other, exactly because they can, right? So-
1: yeah, uh, Richardson has a really good off ball skill set, and like you said, Winslow's shown some skill as a creator and that just that meshes well together.
0: Right. So I mean huge improvements we we've seen from Winslow. We'll talk about just overall what we saw. This season, some positives, negatives, and well, what we expect from him. Uh, but before we start, just a quick reminder: you can follow us on Twitter at Heaters Heating, well, where we will be posting all of our new episodes. So make sure to keep an eye in there, and you, well, you can listen this episode on multiple platforms, including iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, and of course, on OTG Basketball. So now let's start with uh, Winslow. Overall, as we said, he took arguably the biggest leap out of uh, players. In, in the Heat roster this season because it's crazy to think that at the beginning of the year, he still didn't know or it, it still wasn't clear for anyone, maybe not even for Coach Spo, what his role was because he'd start one game at power forward and then the next thing he'd come off the bench and play, say, 15 minutes and do nothing. So he was in kind of like a dark place to, be, uh, to begin the season before he uh, turned it around in uh, mid-December. Which it was the time that Goran Dragic went down with an injury that kept him out for an extended period, which allowed then Coach bow decided to uh, go all in on point justice, and man, did it work! But at uh, at first, it was dark.
1: Oh yeah, no, he his role was extremely inconsistent, which you know it it was bad because he he's a good player. I mean, and he was a. Top ten pick for a reason back in the twenty fifteen draft, um, but like you said, yeah, Dragic went down, and got to give credit to Winzo for for not for stepping up and taking that role. I mean, it wasn't so much Spo putting it on him as much as it was Winzo almost forcing Spo to say, you know what, no, this is our point guard until Dragic gets back.
0: That's a great he's point. It. That that that's a great point. And you know, it's a, it's interesting to think that um, having a young player. On a team with uh, such uh, with as much young talent as Miami does, who didn't know what he was doing, like how can you have a fourth year player entering? Uh, you know he's he suffered a couple of uh, injuries in the past, so some of his uh, didn't get to play uh, m- most of the time. I, I'm pretty sure it was in his second season, which was uh, cut short due to injury. Yes. So it, it, it was inconsistent on that side. So coming into your fourth season and still not knowing what your role is, what is expected from you, and what you are going to do once you're on the court, Yeah, that, that, that's an issue. That's an issue. And, I mean, of, of course, it's, it's super nice that things turned out this way, but who knows what would have, what would have happened if Dragic didn't went down with that injury, would Justice still continue playing inconsistent minutes, not knowing what his role was? Uh, potentially, but we we
1: don't deal with what is; we deal with the reality right. here. <laughs>
0: right, but 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 that's just crazy to think. Like it's it's an actual struggle that uh, some of the young players go through, and I think that's as much of a problem from players as it is from coaching. And I mean, considering the great coaching staff we have, it's surprising that Winslow didn't really have a role or know what he was really doing. And
1: I mean that was kind of like the, the problem that we've had just in general all year. That we were constantly moving, trying different rotations, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. It's I've had a bit of a hard time like kind of figuring out who to put the blame on. I can't tell if it's the front office trying to dictate the SPO or if it's SPOs tinkering too much. Uh, it was it, it made for a, a little bit of a frustrating season. But one of one of the few good things that did come out of that was Justice Winslow getting that opportunity and, and taking control. Now I think hopefully going into next year, he'll have a bit more of a better defined role because we have a better idea of what his skills are now.
0: All right. It's just pretty much, uh, we know what he does and we know where we want him. It ju- it's just going to be interesting to see what will happen with, for example, Goran Dragic. Will he be back? Will he opt out of his contract? Will he come back on a team friendly deal? Then that's where things are going to get interesting because yeah. uh, some people think he should start and rightfully so because he's a really good playmaker and a shot maker as well. He can play both on and off the ball. But who knows if playing him besides Winslow is the best for the latter's development so that that's kind of where the the dilemma comes in
1: yeah i would hope that at this point uh well then you also got to include that the possibility of miami making moves in the summer um because like for example riley and and spo were even at the uh the in the season um, press conferences, they weren't calling Justice Winsor the point guard yet next year. I think part of that is because they're they're trying to keep open the possibility of maybe making some sort of move in the summer to acquire a superstar to run the points. What I can't think top of my head, maybe like Irving or something like that, somehow. So maybe that's why they're not trying to shoehorn them into the uh, point guard position now. But um, at the same time, like if if no moves are made. They they should just come out and say that he's the point guard for next year,
0: right? I think that that's the best that's the best option we had and the best that can happen for for his development. And well, at least we know the uh, that Miami is committed to Winslow uh, on the well long medium term, I guess you want to call it. Yeah, he signed a three year, thirty nine million dollar extension that kicks in just at the start of this season, so that uh, assures us that we'll have him at least through the. 2022 season thanks to the team option on the last year which also yeah which also matches
1: um jay rich extension too i believe so then pretty much we'll have those two on pretty good team friendly contracts for the next few years which is you know that's a huge asset for miami
0: Right, that's the point. Taking into account the huge uh, leap that Winslow took this season, and well, what we're expecting from Richardson, those contracts are actually pretty, pretty nice. Jay Rich signed a four-year. Was was that a forty-eight million dollar contract?
1: Yeah, it was about like twelve million a year.
0: Yeah, so so twelve million a year for Jay Rich, thirteen million a, a year for Justice. Those are pretty good contracts, and it's it's good to see Pat Riley get those uh, in the aftermath of signing. Well, some of the worst contracts in franchise history in the dreaded summer of uh, 2016. and 2017. So, yeah, it was, uh, back back was brutal. <laughs> yeah, the, the the salary cap spike, it's what killed not only us, but you can see most of the other teams' contracts. Huge contracts to Pesmak Timo Timofei Mozgov. Luol Deng. Guys, right. Oh, Luol dang! How can we forget that one? Joe yeah. Kim Noah. I mean, those Lua. guys they just got in the market at the perfect time <laughs> so that's how things went but i mean all things considered uh, let's move into the positives of the from this season of justice and well there's a ton of positives that we can take out from from him but uh, i think one of the most well, one one of the individuals that stands out the most is uh, his three point shooting of course he shot a career high 38% of, from three last year but this season he doubled the amount of attempts he shot last year. I'm pretty sure that was about at 1.8 attempts per game last season, and he took that all the way up to 3.9, almost four threes per game, converting at 37.5% rate. So that's a, that's a pretty nice uh, improvement. Yeah, no, it's huge because that was
1: that was always the big knock last year. Everybody was like uh, – the, the critics were like, okay, the shot looks better, but you're doing – you're pretty much picking – he was pretty much picking his spots and yes. shooting very – like carefully, um, and then yeah. So then the the next logical step is all right. You have to increase your volume. I didn't think he would double his volume like this, and also maintain the percentage. So that was surprising, but obviously I'm glad to see it. Um, and you can really really tell that you know you you have to guard Winslow on the perimeter. You can't let him catch and shoot. He like it's almost automatic at this point, which is fantastic to see, considering that his big knock when he first came in the league was three point shooting.
0: Yeah, we love it. And I remember talking about this with Rich early in his career. Every time he was about to spot up for three, all of us would be like, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> but then now you see him and, and you're like, he's, um the, the form it looks, uh well, it looks beautiful. It, it looks nice. It, he, it, he looks confident when he's shooting, which I think is one of the most underrated aspects from, from shooting. He looks confident, and it seems like he has the green light, so why not? Now, the next step will be working on different ways of working through that three-point shot because it's interesting to note he shot 30 pull-up threes this past season, but, but he only made 15.6% of them, which is uh, about four. Four, if I'm not mistaken, I, yeah. I don't have the actual number, but maybe he he made four or five pull up threes all season. But the rest of his threes, they were all catch and shoot opportunities.
1: I mean, just having the catch and shoot is huge, because then that's gonna that's gonna help open up passing lanes and driving lanes. It's gonna you know just increase the spacing on the floor. So yeah, like you're you're correct. The catch and shoot's good. The pull ups is definitely something that'll be worked on but um i honestly i feel i feel confident that he can uh, do better with the pull-ups just based off of what i've seen him do already with just catch-and-shoot shoot threes
0: right that that's the next step and here i have the number he shot exactly 256 three-pointers this year so considering only 30 of those were pull-ups and the rest say some to 120 226 if my math is not working out bad yeah so some the 200 plus catch-and-shoot threes, and he shot actually 41.2% on those catch-and-shoot opportunities, which is a pretty good mark, and surprising, as you say, considering what we saw from him early in his career, and this is something big, like, I I don't, I I can't really remark how big this is, because we've seen guys like, of course, I'm going to an extreme, but Ben Simmons, he's a really good and tall and athletic playmaker, but the fact that he doesn't have well, not even a reliable. He doesn't even have a three-point shot at all. It kills him. So he wouldn't it would be, try it. Right. So imagine if Winslow was still a 25% three-point shooter who barely took any attempts. Well, that would be a huge knock on his game. But now the, his way this way, sorry, it forces defenders to actually come out and also defend his three-point shot because we know he can hit them standstill. Exactly. So it opens up passing lanes, cutting lanes, just a whole nother new level on the offensive side for Miami. And with how much we struggled this year in offense, it's it's really big. Well, we struggled
1: more specifically with uh, spacing. So that's why I like – it's not only just good in
0: general, but it also specifically addresses one of Miami's problems. That's a nice point you bring up there. But moving on a little bit, something else I also like is that – Well, according to basketball reference, 82.9% of all of his uh, shots came within 10 feet of the basket or from three, which means less than 20% of his shots, some is 17.1% of his shots, if I'm not mistaken, were Mm -hmm. pretty much long twos uh, between uh, 10 feet and the three-point line. And we like... Yeah, most
1: of those though, uh, watching it, were like, were, there were good spots, like the elbows and stuff like that, because he had a he had a, a decent pull up game on the elbows, going for a little while.
0: Right, that's kind of where I was going to. So we've seen him kind of like pick his spots in the mid range, exactly, which is smart. I mean, it's definitely we it.
1: yeah. <laughs> we already knew he was a smart player, but it's it's been fantastic to see it translate onto onto the court so well
0: and it's such a drastic change like from being a mess and not knowing what he's doing to being so curf- yeah well careful i guess you can say on um on the specific shots he takes so he doesn't hurt the offense and that's something big cuz so- some of the young players they just relentlessly put up shots from all around the court hoping they they'd fall but it's good to see Winslow buy into uh, well a good shot selection system that coach Postor has always preached He's definitely a high IQ player. Oh, without a doubt, which was – well, that, that's what has allowed him to make the move to point guard as a 6 four 7 forward.
1: Yeah, and along those lines, one of the, the stats that I was really impressed with was just the way that his assist numbers jumped up and his assist percentage too. So yeah. he pretty much about um, – he doub- almost doubled his uh, assist numbers from 2.2 to 4.4 over the year, and then his assist percentage itself –
0: 21.3%. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I
1: it. <laughs> Yeah, no, but that, and that goes to the whole point guard thing. And, and what made him succeed in that role so well is that he was doing an extremely good job setting up his teammates and it wasn't always just, you know, drive and then kick out or something like that. So sometimes he wouldn't even, you know, set up a play. He would just pass the ball out and then go spot up somewhere. So yes. he's, he's been a very good like uh, team
0: first point guard which is something you love to see, once again, from a young player. And it, it's uh, he's clearly been one of the most uh, impactful players in the rotation. Uh, and, and it's uh, it, it's just amazing to see. Uh, looking up some more stats here at Cleaning the Glass, which is an amazing sight, by the way. The differential, well, the efficiency differential, comparing when Winslow was on the court against off the court, it's uh, 6.6 points per one hundred possessions that that's a positive which is well they rank it at an 86 percentile best mark uh, compared to other forwards so you can really see the impact that Winslow is having on the court it's a you know it translates to both offense and defense when when he sits so hopefully this is a call a a wake-up call for the Miami organization you know what this guy is good. Yeah. We got to continue to de- develop him and retain him and invest a lot of our resources in and him. And also just define
1: his role. I mean that's I think that's the, the biggest takeaway this year is you gave him a role and he succeeded. You can't take a, I don't you can't take a step back from that. Yeah,
0: we just got to build we j- just got to build on that, right? Exactly. So it's uh, it, it was just amazing looking at all the progress that him that he, well that, that he made this season. Uh, but of course, not, a, not everything is a positive. We also have the, well, some will call it negative. Some others, we, we like to call them areas for improvement, just to exactly. be a little bit more to keep the positive mindset, right? And well, Justice still has some areas. It's, well, it's obvious for a player still as young, 23 years old you'll still have some, um, not holes, but places where you can be better and help your team. And one of them, and I do want to point, at, point it out, is, uh, well, his shooting at the rim. I mean, at, at least compared to other forwards, I'm seeing it here in Cleaning the Glass. He shot 58% at the rim, which isn't a bad mark, but considering he's so big and he's usually going up against other guards, of course, he gets he's met by the big guys at the rim. But this 58% is just in the thirtieth percentile compared to other forwards. And that's kind of alarming because I figured out that him developing a nice, I guess, layup package, you can call it, in which he's uh, finishing with uh, both hands and uh, coming from different angles, driving towards the basket. I expected this number to be much uh, higher, but it's surprising to see it uh, in a relatively low area compared to others. Yeah, uh, it's...
1: Personally, I didn't find that too, too surprising. I mean, he is, he's always been a little, little inconsistent with the finishing, unfortunately. But like you said, it, it definitely is an area for improvement, especially if he's going to be
0: uh, using the ball more often. Thinking about it, with him uh, defending uh, pretty much at the top of the key or high on the perimeter, he's always going to be one of the players who gets on the fast break earlier. I mean, he's going to be there. If he doesn't have the ball, then he's going to get the ball and try and finish these fast-break opportunities. So we want him capitalizing on each of uh, these fast-break opportunities, every one of them if possible, of course, especially if he's being defended by the smaller guards because him, his role in defense... Yeah, but you know he's when he's playing defense, he'll of course be assigned whatever a shooting guard. So say uh, the uh, Josh Richardson gets a steal and pushes the ball. Well, the, the the only guy that's gonna be there in time, if anyone at the opposing rim, yeah, well from the opposing team, is it's gonna be that same guard that he was defending. Like there's no way that the opposing center is gonna travel all the way to the rim and meet Winslow there. So he needs to make sure that he just gets the best out of every opportunity, especially the easier ones that he gets at the rim and just continue to develop his inside game because with him uh, now being more frequently a ball handler in pick and roll situations, it's going to be big for him to attack or even exploit uh, situations at driving to the rim as a pick and roll ball handler. Yeah. And it's really just the finishing. Like he, he's getting there. He's getting, oh, good yes. he's
1: getting good looks. It's just, they just, you know just barely roll off so it's just he just
0: needs to be tweaked yeah that that, that's something actually a really good point you bring up he's finding his way in his he's using different moves he's even using his body to create some space but it's just about the finishing and i'm pretty confident that he will be better Mm -hmm. but but still it, it doesn't um take away from the fact that he can improve right so hopefully that's one of the key points for, for, or key points of emphasis heading into next season. What what do you think is another area that uh, Winslow kind of struggled in this past season that he could be better at? Uh, Well, the first one that always comes off top of my
1: head and the one that doesn't make the most sense at all is the free throw percentage. He's still, he's still below 70%. He's, he's pretty much been like a consistent, like 65, 66% free throw shooter his entire career, which is, Really, really weird because normally free throw percentage and three point percentage will correlate. So you would have thought that as his three point percentage went up, his free throw percentage would have gone up as well, and it just just hasn't.
0: I think the opposite has actually happened. As his three point percentage has gone up, the free throw percentage not drastically, but it has slightly declined because oh, he that's shot. He oh, oh wait. Well, I mean, he shot seventy point nine percent his first season, sixty one point seven percent the second season. But I guess it, th- this is let's not count this one cuz it's the one that he just played 18 games then third season 63.9 and fourth season which is this past one 63.7 so he's actually been going down every year and well the red numbers here show that he's uh, near the bottom of the league compared to his peers and it's um it's not common to see a forward uh, well a guard but he's playing the guard position mostly uh, and and that's uh, what what uh, Will apparently continue to happen. Well, that's that's not a that's really not a good mark for a guard or even a forward.
1: No, he's a he's a guard throwing up center free throw percentages.
0: <laughs> that's a great analogy. I, I like it.
1: But yeah, the good part though is that you know kind of, that should be easier to fix than than the three point shot. So if he figured yeah. that out, I would feel confident that he can come back next year with a summer of work on it and and do much better. I mean, but he should be at least mid 70s or higher
0: yes i agree because then
1: i have brought this point up before though but like i mean if you're an opposing defense and you know this person can't shoot you're going to foul them more often because you'd rather them you'd rather take the chance of them missing a free throw and getting one maybe zero points than them getting a good look at the rim yeah limit his game
0: just think about a smaller guard. He has to make the business de- decision. Do I let this guy who is four or five inches taller than me uh, try and drive and get an easy bucket at the rim, or should exactly. I hack? Well, then I guess that that's an easy yeah, de- decision, Yeah, right now it's right? easy to hack him, <laughs> Right. So um, that's, uh, I guess, one of the other key points of emphasis heading into next season. You got anything else um, you'd like to point out on the negative side? This is… This is a, a little
1: nitpicky, um, but the turnovers also kind of alarmed me a little bit. So he about doubled his assists, but he also about doubled his turnovers to 2.2 a game. But the turnover percentage only went up um, a little bit from 12.6% to 149 But still, that it's, it's nitpicky in the sense of like, if you're going to be the point guard, you, you
0: always want to limit your turnovers and you always want to be working on that. No that's actually a great point. And uh with him becoming well the full-time point guard for for the better half of the season, that's another one of the keys just making sure that he limits the turnovers and well that that's one of the areas in which we struggled the most this season just uh, losing games because of way too many stupid turnovers if that's how we want to call it. Oh yeah. And, and it's frustrating, and it's the same with the free throws. Like, you can't be losing games because you uh, because the, the other team forced 10 extra turnovers on you, or you can't be losing games because uh, you missed 15 free throws uh, on a game. You, you, you know what I mean? So it's, uh, it's actually all of these um, kind of like, I, I mean, it's fundamental basketball. Of course, it's much easier said than done once again, but these guys have to be better at it. And uh, well I guess with uh, after everything we' discussed it's uh, it's time to move on to well our expectations from Winslow next season what are you expecting from him heading into the 2019-20 uh, season well
1: so given that the, how much he's improved already um, I'm hoping that he continues that trend and can clean up some of the the easier stuff it's like the free throw, the previous the stuff that we already mentioned all that shit Easily fixable with a with a good summer of work to put in. So for next year, I actually expect him to. Um, and he, he touched on this himself and said that he wanted to, to be this. I expect him to be the leader of the team next year. To may, maybe not necessarily fill into in that in that superstar leader role, but definitely take that leadership role for the team, especially for between like the young core of him, Bam, and Josh. I want him to be the leader, and I want him to to really take Miami back to the playoffs.
0: Yeah, it, it makes sense. He has the potential to be the leader both on and off the court. And I think him sharing this the leadership role with Jay Rich is uh, really going to be, well, an integral part of this Heat team. Well, taking the next step as a whole, not only as individual players, but but as a whole, you know, talking about the other young guys like Bam, like Derrick Jones Jr. We want these guys to grow together and uh, build something to which, yeah, to which we, we can hold on for years to come. And I think it's in pretty good hands because Justice and, well, Jay Rich to a certain extent too have shown some really nice early signs of uh, leadership. And, of course, I, I mentioned this with, in, in our last podcast we talked about Jay Rich, but Dwayne Wade's shoes, damn, they're, they're big. Those <laughs> yeah. are big shoes to fill, right? And, of course, there might not be a player that can come close to that. But we do have some promising young guys that are, are looking to – Elevated to that role, and and it's good them uh, taking this responsibility this early in in, in their careers because uh, these are the guys we want taking that uh, th- th- this leadership role.
1: Exactly. I mean, I think in in general, Miami's starting to move toward move towards putting their young core out front, and amongst that young core, Winslow I think stands out as the one that could be, like maybe not necessarily like the best scorer. I would I would hope that Richardson. Um, still develops and it becomes our leading scorer next year, but in more of like an off-ball role where yeah. you know he plays he plays off Winslow, and I think the and then Bam obviously in the center. So I think that's those three are a really good young core to start working with.
0: Definitely, and well, on a personal standpoint, I uh, so, some of my expectations. I do. I would like to see Miami not acquiring another guard especially another point guard. I do want to see Justice as the full-time starting point guard next season, go all in on the young core because, let's face it, that's what we have. We, yeah. we, we don't have any more standout veterans. Like Dwayne Wade, he's not going to be there to bail you out late in the season anymore. He won't be there to take the last second shots. So, heck, why don't we just go all in with the young guys from the start of the season, give them reps, and let them figure things out on the way instead of just uh, – Throwing out random lineups throughout the year and then finding one that works on game number 70. You, you, you know what I mean? Yeah, so right we
1: like all start breaking at the start of
0: March and then it's like, oh, okay, now we figured out this works. Yeah, that, that, that's uh, sadly, it's too late. So, I mean, why not uh, get a starting lineup with uh, Justice, Jay Rich? I, I guess we can keep uh, Dion Waiters in there. Or hey, I'm
1: going to give a shout out to Dion real quick. He was looking good from three uh, at the end of the season. So if oh, you can carry that in the next season, that's going to be very complimentary for, for those three. And then I guess you would maybe do like a Linux or something at the four.
0: My man, I don't think there's a more confident guy in the universe than Dion Waiters. Like, commerce. Right <laughs> I w- um i want to
1: see th- i want to see the uh, shoot off between mario Chalmers and dion waiters and see who's who's got more confidence
0: that's actually close and well it's um of course you love to see that we've been highly critical of uh, dion for for some points now but he proved that he can make things happen i mean yeah. he was mixing it up between driving but man the three-point shooting late in the season he actually finished up the season as our leading well as in the three-point percentage she was a. Uh, yeah, the, the, our leader in three-point percentage, she finished shooting 38.1%. Uh, I don't really have the number here, but I remember seeing it a couple of days ago. So that's another interesting storyline developing there. We'll have a podcast on uh, waiters coming soon, so you can be on the lookout for that. So- exactly, just a little teaser. Yeah, kind of like a teaser. Why don't we do Waiters next week, Heck? Well, we still don't know who we'll do, but uh, I guess you'll have to wait and see, right? So, I mean, at the end of the day, I think we can both agree on that. We want to see the young guys grow together. And it's fitting that we did Winslow second because these two guys, Justice and Jay Rich, that's going to be our engine and our fuel well, for the foreseeable future as of right now. And we want them uh, really taking a huge step and becoming the leaders and both, uh, you know, on the court and off the court, Jay Rich being our leading scorer, Justice being a leading playmaker, and both of them working together to make the young core and the team grow as a family. And there's nothing we'd like better than this.
1: Absolutely. I mean, that's honestly, it's, it's probably going to be our, our best bet to get back to contention too, is grow the young core, and I think really use next year to show, like, hey, we have Winslow, we have Richardson, we have Bam, we have these really good young guys. We just need some sort of superstar talent to just come and lead them. Anybody want to come here? Yeah, kind of like Indiana. I mean, you look at the Pacers, they're a really good team, and they just – Unfortunately for them because Oladipo went down, but before that they just had that one superstar player and that was really propelling them forward. And that That's kind of what we need.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And we'll, we'll see what happens. It was a, we, I had a great time talking about, uh, talking about Justice and we'll, we'll come back with a new player next week. Oh, really? Quick, quick teaser. Sorry, real oh, quick. No, I, just, I want your, your thoughts on this. Um, who do
1: you think's better at the moment, Josh Richardson or Justice Winslow?
0: Why are you putting me on the spot? <laughs> I mean, uh, with uh, it's so tough, but looking at the way the season ended, I'll give a slight like overall better, I'll give a slight advantage to Justice. I'm in the same. I wasn't way too happy with the way Richardson finished the season. It, and I mean, of course we talked about uh we talked about it in the past podcast with, with Rich. It it wasn't fair to place such high expectations on him and whatever. And he will be better, we know this, but right now at the moment, I I, I may be a bit biased too. Justice better, right? Oh <laughs> but yeah. I do like I That's do like the justice just a little bit more.
1: Justice a little better?
0: Yeah, a little better. I like that. <laughs> uh, so, uh, before we get out of here, Kyle, would you like to tell everyone, please, where we can find you on social media?
1: Yeah, sure. You can find me on Twitter at KBR Heat Nation, and then you can find all my work at uh, Off the Glass. So, even though the Heat aren't in the playoffs right now, if you just have an interest in the playoffs in general, I'm writing a ton of stuff on a bunch of different series. So, go check the stuff out. We also have a lot of, obviously, a lot of great stuff on the site as well.
0: Right. It's a little bit of. Uh, well, sad that we don't have uh, that we don't have a lot of heat content to talk about in the playoffs, but that doesn't mean that we will stop uh, watching NBA basketball. Of course not. And Kyle's been doing a great job uh, watching all these different series, and he has he had a really interesting article of five thoughts on the OKC Portland Trailblazer series, uh, which of. Uh, course once again i know that this is way beyond the topics that this podcast covers but uh, i'm pretty sure most of us are general nba fans anyway so that's a great article to take a look at because especially the series it's getting personal and uh, well we'll have a i'm pretty sure that the game four will be already on the books by the time this podcast goes up but it it looks like it can go to to six or seven games oh yeah easily and well that that's uh, another great piece of content that kyle did um of course you can also find uh all of my nba work at uh, off the glass uh, great job by everyone we're putting in the grind. we're putting in all these different articles playoff content video content anything we're we're your go-to as rich put it in the last podcast we're your go-to for <laughs> nba content so big shout out i want to give a big shout out to the brooklyn buzz guys nick and jack the nets are doing a really good job in the playoffs and I personally – they're exceeding they, – they, they have exceeded my expectations. And, of course, Nick and Jack have been fantastic with all the Nets content. I will giving them a huge helping hand in there too. So big shout-out to the Nets. Big shout-out to the Brooklyn Buzz. Overall, big shout-out to the OTG Basketball family and the OTG Basketball Podcast Network. Definitely be on the lookout. And, well, thanks for listening. Great time talking about justice. And we'll see you next uh, – well, I don't want to say next week. We'll see you on the next episode. I thought so. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. No one likes unexpected medical emergencies, but MedExpress makes me feel at ease when they happen.
1: What we do is much more than urgent care. At MedExpress, we call it urgent caring. Real patient testimonials portrayed by actors.